This program is powered by Tascam. Tascam's mini studio creator, US42, is your new personal production and online broadcast studio featuring a professional quality audio interface and a number of unique real-time effects. The mini studio creator delivers everything you need for your podcast or webcast. Find out more at Tascam.com, part of the Gibson family of brands. USB microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Sergeant, we need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. (laughs) It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Groot. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, they can be exactly what we need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. And welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It's Kylan, Eric, and Mike. How you guys doing? Hey, I'm good. good. Dude. I'm good. I am kicking back, drinking a great knee high. Oh, man, I haven't had one of those in, like, ever. Dude, you really are. Okay. There's a bulk market, bulk foods market near us, mm-hmm. and they sell these. One of my favorite shops here in Orlando, Gods and Monsters, uh, the shopping center they were in, or the mall they were in, is closed. Uh, they mm. did relocate to a new place but they sold peach which made melissa happy but no grape knee high so i had to get uh schweppes or some mm-hmm. other something like that they're grape mm-hmm. but this place has grape knee high i'm like oh so buying it <laughs> so see now i gotta go look for a grape knee high there's a couple places where i live where i think i may be able to find one well it, i guess grape or knee high is owned by um it is now owned was it they're owned by uh royal crown really was it yeah. royal crown is uh i guess they're still everywhere oh yeah yeah Yeah. so it's part of the uh the dr pepper snapple group okay well you know snapple gets plenty of my money uh during the work week as it is so you know (laughs) well (laughs) how about we get right into the show was that an abrupt stop Uh, that was was not an abrupt stop that was a screeching halt (laughs) that was it was like uh well, in that Offer. case, I, I'm I'm going to do I'm going to do something not so Marvel because I want to brag about this. But the okay. guys over at the uh, that other podcast that's uh, in, in the in the the hall basement, yeah, Justice Hall basement, might uh-huh. like it. Um, Zoe for getting straight A honor roll again. We got her. She loves the Lego Friends. There, she loves Lego. She loves like the Lego Friends stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, they came out with the DC Superhero Girls, and she had to get Wonder Woman's dorm room. Well, I picked up two okay. of the of the Lego, the Batman movie, um, blind packs. Mm-hmm. 
from, King Tut? Ni- from 1966. Oh my goodness. The the King Tut figure from the 66 Wow. Batman, which is going to be in the Doesn't movie. look a thing like Steve Martin. No, no. From the no. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it almost went over my head, but <laughs> and, and pr- quite frankly, it probably went over just about everybody's oh, head yeah. that was listening to this. Yeah, I, I I got it. That's <laughs> That's okay. I'm going to extract my revenge. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Kylan knows it is time for... Mighty Marvel Geeks Feud. Woo! See what happens when you try and mess with my mind, Eric. It's time for me to <laughs> I mess miss with... a week, and this becomes like a freaking game show. No, we no, tested. No, they, they, we they, tested it last week, dude. This is so awesome. It's, <laughs> so this is all, all, all those all that stuff that we learned in psychological warfare, we get to use it here. So yeah, what <laughs> we actually learned in psychological warfare? I, I thought we did. I napped a little bit, I, maybe a lot. <laughs> so. First question, seven right. answers on the board. Seven answers, got it. If you can help fight if you could help Black Panther fight crime, what animal would be or what animal would you like your superhero alias to be named after? If you can help Black Panther fight crime, what animal would you like your superhero alias to be named after? Seven answers on the board. Okay. So Kylan, you get to go first. Lion. Number four, Eric. I'm going to say tiger. Number one. Back to you, Kylan. Hawk. Incorrect. I'm going to say eagle. Oh, man. Dude, eagle is a perfectly viable answer. Exactly. That's one strike each. Tiger is number one. Lion was number four. Kylan, you're up. Wolf. Number five. Um, So much smack talk before the show. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Stallion. Mm. See, I could see Stallion. I could, too. Could, too. But apparently these people didn't. Well, that's because they're poopy heads. Yeah. Kylan's back to you. Uh, uh, let's go with uh, Bear. Mm. So we've got lion, tiger, wolf. Yep. Lion, tiger, wolf. Um, heck with it. I'm going to say shark. Mm. Oh. Kylan, Kylan will win the round. Okay. So give us give us the num- give us the numbers. Number two, leopard. Number three, cheetah. Number six, baboon. 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 <laughs> baboon. No joke. Number seven, badger. You know what? I almost said badger, and I'm like, no. I would have said badger, but then it's like, I don't care. You know? <laughs> I don't need no sticky badgers. <laughs> Why do we want a badger anyway? It's just going to make her mad. Is that badger? Uh, I don't even know her. <laughs> so, second round. Okay. Six answers on the board. All right. Name the super or name the Superman. Name the Spider-Man villain most likely to enter politics. Eric, we're going to start with you. Okay. There's one I'm thinking of, but I'm not sure if he's going to be qualified, counted as a Spider-Man villain. So I'm going to say Doc Ock. Number two, Kylan. Uh, I would say Green Goblin. Number one. <laughs> wow. I think I see where this is going. Okay. Uh, let's see. Green Goblin and Doc Ock. Um, Oh, that's a good one. Venom. Okay. Well, apparently popularity is not. No. Oh. Uh, uh, uh. Okay. Uh, considering this guy started off as a Spidey villain, I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say Hangpin. 
Number that's three. exactly who I was thinking of when I went at the beginning because I was thinking he's more of a daredevil. But okay, number three. All right, three answers left. Um, Vulture. Mm. Ooh, dang! Uh, the feud has not been kind to me tonight. <laughs> no, it, it is, this is this is a little more difficult than you expect. I'm gonna go with Electro. Mm. Kylan's now on the straight board. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. How about Craven the Hunter? Okay, I'm gonna have to ask. Would he be considered rich? Uh, I'm going with a judgment call on this one. I'm, I'm sure he's kind of rich. I mean, he travels. He travels the world. That takes a certain degree of money. He has to pay for his weapons. <laughs> Number four, any other rich ones? Okay, yeah, really? <laughs> That's Good what God. it says. Any other rich ones? Number four. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would, I, I would consider him rich. I would. All right. Yeah. Then I'll qualify. All right. Two answers left. Uh. Let's go with three. Uh. Two. Uh, one. Sandman. Mm. Two strikes each. Can Eric squeak one out? Um, the Spider-Man villain most likely to enter politics. You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb here. Let's say Mysterio. Dude. Wouldn't he already be in with any of the rich ones? I don't know. He's necessarily rich. Okay. But yeah. number, number five, Chameleon. Mm. Oh, I should have gone there. Okay. Number six, Jackal. I, I thought, thought about, about Jackal. But yeah, I wouldn't even thought about Jackal. Okay. All right. So well, round three, Kylan takes it takes a two nothing lead. Yeah. yeah. So this one because Doesn't go for the sweep because of the time I'm gonna I'm gonna be quick make y'all quick on the answers. Okay. All right. Name a type of playlist. Yeah. Name a type of playlist that Jarvis would arrange for the Avengers enjoyment. Eight answers on the board. And Eric, I will have you go first again. I'm gonna say big band slash swing. <laughs> Work out. Okay. All right. I, I call shenanigans on that one. <laughs> Captain America from the 40s. You think he ain't going to want some Benny Goodman in there? I agree. I agree, but it's not there. Uh, I say work out. Eric. Rock and roll. Number three, rock. Um, Disco. Looks like the sweep's in jeopardy. Mm. Jazz. Uh, classical. I'm uh, sorry. Number one, classical. I had a Steve Harvey moment there. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, classical. Hi, here we go. Heck with it. Country. Number five. Uh, instrumental. Kyle and Eric wins this round. Sweet brother. So, number two, classic rock. Number I started to say classic rock. Number four, top hits. Number six, 80s. Top hits. I'm going to assume top 40. That's okay. probably what was meant. Uh, number six was the 80s. Number seven, Christmas carols. What? <laughs> number eight, heavy metal. Okay. Christmas carols? I want to know Christmas who. Carol. Only two people said Christmas carols. And two people said heavy metal. And two people said the 80s. I want to know who these people were. They need a shot. <laughs> so no, They just need to be sat down and forced to watch Gallagher videos for an hour. There you go. That'd be good. I, I say they need to be shot like Radcliffe's LMD was. Oh. Uh, yeah. I, I think that there was you called go. a segue. Oh, yes, uh, I think so. <laughs> I think so, yes. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, is this not what we've been waiting for? Oh. for ever, ever since Tony Stark, back in 2012, said, you have reached the life model decoy of Tony Stark. Is this not the kind of storyline we have been waiting for? Yes, it is. Fine. 
Finally. What, about Quake and Black Widow fan fiction? Of course. Oh my um, god, that was awesome. <laughs> they call him Quack. <sighs> Man, I, I'm a, I don't, did anybody else feel awkward in that moment? Because I felt kind of awkward. I did. That was, you wrote some of that, didn't you? I, that, well, that was supposed to be a jab at Twilight, and that was should have never been done. Oh my gosh, that and was I'll, wow! I'm, I'm gonna no. I saw it as a as a jab at all these fans who were into this quote unquote shipping nonsense. <laughs> it's, I mean, when, when we know how you feel about the shipping. When the show was was like in first season or so, is kind of like you you go on the Facebook groups, you see ship Skyward, <laughs> or or there was there was one person that was trying to to put Sky and Simmons together. She said skip Skimmons. It's like Ugh. no. I mean, if you are if you are twelve, thirteen years old, I get this because when I was that age, we were all we were just like racking our brains over who loves who and that kind of stuff. But you know, I feel bad saying this about what is essentially a comic book show, right? So it's not the most grown up of diversions, no. But true. at the same time, it's kind of like yeah, the only shipping I do is FedEx. Mm-hmm. So let's. Let's just keep that. I uh, know. <laughs> I am an anti-shipper. You're anti-ship. I am anti-shipping. I I, I I I do not ship. But you know the thing was, uh, I, I digress. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I will that. agree that the, that the the ship name is is kind funny. of it, it's it's it is funny. It is, it funny, is funny because you expect Howard the Duck to be in there at some point. You know, pretty much. Yes. Hello. Come yeah. on, Mike. Mike, I'm gonna let it slide. What? Okay, dude. What? I put that slow and over the plate just so you could come in and play the clip. Thank you. You're welcome. I feel we, better now. I'm like we 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 put it right out there, dude. <laughs> we expect you to swing for the cheap seats. If we offer that up like that, just, okay. Anyway, <laughs> but no, I'll, I'll grant it, it. It was a pretty. It was a pretty funny. It was a funny ship name. Yes. So yeah, um, because the whole the whole thing about the LMD, who's real, who's not, mm-hmm. and the idea of and bringing back the guy from the the episode where we have to say goodbye to. Uh, to oh lord, I, I can't even think of them now. You know, Bobby and Nick. Yeah, Bobby and Nick. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a nice touch, but and trying to use the dark hole to get rid of Inhumans. Yeah, yes. I, I think that was a nice touch as well. I mean, it's kind of like the I, I can see where this would be where this would be an attractive option. The- and and it raises the possibility that the fan theory that was going around before Agents of Shield came out about how could Coulson be alive? Right. What was what did everybody say? LMD. Yeah. LMD. LMD. Wouldn't it be a kick and a half if it turned out to be true after all this time? That's true. That's true. Because we we really don't know everything. No. No. We- mm. Things that I- make you go what? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I would be dancing the whiskey tango foxtrot on this one as well but still yes. but still i mean you can't tell me that the writers sitting around you know pinning out this this uh, third plot line or i think they start calling them pods now is that it you know pod mm-hmm. the the pod for the remainder of season four mm-hmm. and they just look at each other and go what if colson was an lmd you can't tell me that that question has not been thrown out there at some point right yeah i mean we're, we kept thinking that the koenig brothers were going to be lmds they're not 
No. Which is one, so one whacked family. That sister is tough LT. as nails. LT. Oh my god, yeah. LT, yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh man. Four identical brothers. She'd have to be tough as nails just to survive the traumatic experience that would come with that. Yeah. Apparently, it was traumatic for them. Well, <laughs> of course it would be. <laughs> so, and I'm going to say I miss Ghost Rider. I really do. And I mm-hmm. never thought I would actually hear myself saying this, especially after all the grief that I have given Marvel for the Ghost Rider, not Ghost Driver kind of thing. Right. But it's true. I like the fact, I liked the, the edge that Ghost Rider brought to things. Right, where not everything was hail Hydra and a uh, and a enemy within kind of thing. Right, because we're back to that enemy within thing. That's true. Yeah, but but the thing is, when it comes to an LMD, that that that's just a, that's just guaranteed to happen. You yeah, know? and I don't mind it as much because it's not a subversive organization infiltrating shield this time. No, no, no. no. It's not. It's not Hydra. It's not the real shield it's Radcliffe it's mm-hmm. it's like the pod people it's it's like invasion yeah. of the body snatchers here oh I I loved the Russians when they what was it near the end of the episode they sit down with Radcliffe and go look there's this man he's blurry in most of these pictures then he dies and then he's seen in more pictures or he was at the library last night yeah. Of course, they're all talking about Coulson and they're showing screenshots from different movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they go, is he an LMD or is he really? And Radcliffe goes, well, he's not dead. Like, oh, crap. Watchdog just got a little more serious. I like how they're trying, like, they're connecting all the superhero stuff just to him. Right. Which, which is kind of, it, it kind of gave me a chuckle moment. It's kind of like, it's almost a meta moment where they have figured out the whole point of the MCU. Yeah. yeah. It's like kind that. of like he was what connected pretty much all of phase one. Exactly. It, it, it's that moment we've been waiting for, but in the movies, not on TV. Right. Yeah. Because I am still, I still want to see an Avengers reunion with Coulson. Mm-hmm. See, I would love to see he that had a, in Affinity War. And who's to say we won't get it? True. S.H.I.E.L.D. is re-legitimized. True. Could you imagine if he showed up and if Cap is in Black Panther? I don't mm-hmm. even know. We still don't know all the cast in Black Panther. No. If Cap was to be in Black Panther, how cool would it be knowing that he's on the run, so to speak, mm-hmm. if Coulson showed up in Wakanda? Just briefly. Because hey, everybody uh, the, everybody else thinks he's dead. And we keep Sif forgetting. is the I, only one, pretty much. Sif is the only other MCU character, aside from Fury, of course, mm-hmm. that right. knows he's still alive. Yeah. I mean, Tony uh, doesn't know. Thor doesn't know. Maria Hill knows. Oh, right? yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maria Hill. Yeah. But she's going to keep secrets because that's just what she does. Well, yeah. all right. Let, let me rephrase. Sif is the only MCU character outside of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. that knows he's alive. And at this mm-hmm. point in time, why hasn't she said something to Thor? Because he asked her not to. True. I mean, yeah. I mean, he at, he said, you know, we, we would prefer that uh, that we keep that quiet for now or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's when it's the first time she showed up. Yeah, she was just kind of like she was freaking out over it because Thor said that she died that he died so right so, so of course yeah. that would have made it for a good Monty Python moment where it's like I'm not dead <laughs> Agent Coulson is down I'm feeling better the paramedics called it I think I'll go for a walk you're not fooling anyone you know it's just a flesh wound <laughs> and then he's like I feel happy I feel happy yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> so, all right. Now that we have brought the show to a screeching halt once oh, again. God. <laughs> well, here's here's the thing though with Shield though. Um, you know, this is the second storyline, and this is going to flesh out fairly soon, unless they try and drag it through the finale. But right. the question is, um, you know, Jeff Loeb and Jed Whedon both said that there will be three pods that will all be connected for season four, um, and that potentially this third pod both rewards longtime viewers and flips the show upside down where there could be potentially more stories to explore. Mm. Um, could it be that it's already set in motion by bringing Pat and Oswald back as the, the Koenig brothers? Um, the reveal of their family secret has, has a, has been a burning unanswered question since season one. So perhaps this is a part of the reward. Uh, but then again, the chance to see this could be the chance shield has been waiting for to bring someone back like Graviton or Ian Quinn, mm-hmm. a storyline that was abandoned, storylines that were abandoned in season one and season two, uh, despite he- heavy teasing their partnership. There could be another, many other ways to, to tie everything together as well. So, Okay, here's a thought. Okay. Ian Quinn is trying to bring back Graviton. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Would the dark hold be a useful tool in doing that? Could be. Or to to harness that power? Potentially. I mean, look, so what, I don't- look what it did for the antagonists in, in the Dark Horse, in the Ghost Rider stories. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. So I could see where that gets brought up. And also, there's an idea where the Darkhold could bring Ghost Rider back from wherever he's at. Yeah. Yeah. Which, if you've got Graviton kind of on the, on the rampage and they need some extra firepower, they figure, well, he's fighting us with science. Let's fight him with magic. I could, I could see that. Yeah. yeah. I think the Darkhold is going to play a key role in whatever comes along in that third pod. It's just a question of how are they going to use it? And Hmm. here's another thought. What if Doctor Strange shows up? It's a long shot, I'm sure, but what if, all right, what if you didn't have Doctor Strange, but you had Wong? That's so Wong, it would be right. (laughs) I hope I'm not far (laughs) Wong on this, but you know. Hmm. Okay, your turn. Make a very, very lame Wong joke. Uh, Well, I realize two of us have done one and two Wongs don't make a right, but still. Well, you know... Come on, Kylan. The, the show's looking for Wong in all the wrong... Looking for love in all the Wong places. <laughs> well, you know, Wong, I said let Bai Wongs be Bai Wongs. I don't even know what David means. <laughs> I don't even know what David means. I, I just I just reached out there and the universe gave it to me. <laughs> and I get the feeling that a bald-headed Asian man is going to be at my doorstep waiting to hit me over the head with a very old staff. Just saying. <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, there is plenty of opportunities, I guess you could say, for something like that. You know? Yes. Or really, who's to say that Baron Mordo won't show up? Oh, that's true. True. I mean, Chiwetel Ejiofor, he, uh, he's he been known to, to show up and stuff. Right. And, you know, he a lot, a lot of these uh, A-list actors love playing these characters, and they have no problem if it means taking a few minutes out of their day to film a scene that's going to show up on a TV series. Doesn't I mean, have to be a long shot. Doesn't have no. to be a, a heavy role. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sam Jackson. Sam Jackson was practically begging for more time as Nick, as Nick Fury. Yeah. You know, that's probably one of his, I won't say better roles, but more universally yes. uh, recognized. It's almost time for him to come back, too. It really is. Yeah. Was it, um, he came, he, I, you know, he was somebody that when 
when he shows up at the end of of Iron Man, mm-hmm. and like you know, after after you get done like drooling and having a fit, and you realize that that's Sam Jackson as Ultimate Nick Fury, and this movie that you were automatically enjoying already has just suddenly taken it to the next level, you know, for the second movie already, and you're right. just like, well, according wow. to I, according to IMDb with Samuel L. Jackson in 2018, mm-hmm. he comes back as Frozone and Krebels too. Oh wait, wait, wait! Nick Fury, Avengers: Infinity War. You gotta have you gotta have him in yeah. some role. I mean, yeah. uh, Age of Ultron, nice as a supporting character. Just he's kind of like the the Gandalf the Gray. He's in just enough to affect the storyline, and that's it. Yeah. So well, it's you know I I I admit like I took a few minutes out this weekend this this week rather to see Triple X, which Sam Jackson is a cast to play the leader of this program and the, so then all of a sudden you you see him and it looks like he's dead although my I just knew he wasn't but when you see him he comes walking in this church and he's wearing glasses and one of the lenses is one of the lenses is darkened sort of like you know if I had a eye patch this is what I would wear and I'm just like I had to giggle because I'm like even when you're not Sam Jackson you're Sam Jackson and that's awesome <laughs> so you know just saying you know yeah. you know like if you, if you want to be Nick Fury all day long be Nick Fury I'll salute you <laughs> well speaking of all day long or all night <laughs> Marvel has found their newest heroes for Cloak and Dagger uh, we talked last week about how Noah Gray and Debbie Ryan were were teased as the front runners for the roles right. it was officially announced it will be Aubrey Joseph and Olivia Holt okay um, Olivia Holt uh, will be playing Tandy Bowen slash Dagger, a.k.a. Dagger. Uh, mm-hmm. You might know her as um, one of the female leads in Disney Channel's Kicking It. Mm-hmm. Mac used to love watching that show. So, yeah, I've, I've seen her before. Right. <clears throat> she looks um, She looks like she would make a good Tandy Bowen. Yeah, and she's already got the fighting experience that could be utilized for the show as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Tyrone Johnson, a.k.a. Cloak, will be portrayed by Aubrey Joseph. Uh from the night of and run all night, which I do not, I'm not familiar with either of those. I'm not either. Uh, both actors are young, which fits in line with the early years of the comic book counterparts. Marvel has shown its widening its universe to younger actors who have much more longevity in their roles. The character story will be self-contained, however, at least for the foreseeable future. So yes, they are part of the MCU, but right now, connected but not connected would be the easiest way to put it. <laughs> Same universe, not necessarily connected storyline. Correct. Right. Um, Joe Pocaski, executive producer on Cloak and Dagger, shared his excitement about the project. Uh, the characters of Tandy and Tyrone have always stood out to me ever since I first met them on the pages of Marvel Comics when I was a boy. When Olivia and Aubrey read for the roles, these characters leapt off the page. We're so excited to see what these talented young actors bring to the Marvel Universe. While Jeff Loeb, head of Marvel Television, had this to say, Marvel is delighted to have found our Cloak and Dagger, Olivia Holt, and Aubrey Joseph encompass the true essence of the characters. We're excited for the audience to see them in these roles. So, fortunately, 
Apparently, we're going to have to wait until next year to see it. Uh, mm. show, show production starts on Valentine's Day and will be released sometime in 2018. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? That's not the only show that's uh, gotten cast announcements. Uh, you may have heard on this show in uh, issues past where we've talked about Hulu getting in on the Marvel Universe act right. with mm-hmm. a uh, series based on the group The Runaways. Right. And in case you don't know who these are, and I actually did have to do a little bit of research on them. Uh, Runaways is a story about a group of teenagers who, uh, well, they discovered that their parents are all villains. I mean, whether they're aliens or, uh, you know, mutants or uh, crime bosses, whatever, the the fact is they're their mom and dads are all bad guys. So they run away, and it's basically kind of like uh, the the old Party of Five show that used to be on the CW or was it WB or something like that, mm-hmm. where what, basically it was just, yeah, whatever it was at the time. And it, it's kind of like they can, they don't really like each other, but they learn to be a family, a, a family of their of, of their own. So, uh, yes, Hulu is uh, doing this show. And let's see. We have uh, Renzi Feliz. You may have uh, seen him in Teen Wolf and Casual. Mm-hmm. He is playing Alex Wilder. Uh, he is, uh, and this this comes off of Marvel's own website, and I'll just like read it verbatim here. Um, Alex Wilder is a loud and proud nerd. Admittedly a bit of a loner, Alex spends much of his free time playing <coughs> video games, but deep down, what he wants most is to reunite his childhood group of friends. Uh, Lyrica Okano from The Affair and Unforgettable is uh, playing Nico Minoru, uh, tough, intelligent, and independent, uh, embodies teenage angst. And you can't have a teenage show without somebody embodying teenage angst. Uh, the article calls her a budding Wiccan. Uh, Nico's craft, carefully crafted goth appearance isolates her from her peers and family, but maybe what she really needs is someone to talk to. I, I think the intern kind of got paid by the cliche in here. I really yeah. do. <laughs> you think? Because if that's the case, they made bank. Uh, now, Nico is the character you may have noticed her in future fight and some other games she is sister grim she never refers to she's very ever rarely referred to as sister grim but that's her okay you've got uh, virginia gardner from goat and little bitches for lack of a better that, that was you know, that's just what the show called. that was was the title <laughs> of the show you know hey family friendly here uh she plays carolina dean <clears throat> model perfect exterior with a lot going on behind her professionally whitened smile is burdened by the lofty expectations and responsibilities put upon her by her parents. Underneath her veneer of privilege and perfection, Carolina is experiencing a newfound eagerness to explore her identity and pursue her own desires. Uh, Ariella Bearer from New Girl and One Day at a Time uh, is going to be Gert Yorks uh, as a purple-haired bespectacled contemporary riot girl. Never passing up a moment to stand on a soapbox, Gert sometimes wields her persona as a brash social justice warrior to mask her true feelings. Mm. She actually likes cat videos and, you know, cuddling up in her feety pajamas and bouncing on the bed. Uh, Greg Sulkin, Greg Sulkin, uh, who has been seen in Faking It, Don't Hang Up, and Antisocial, is playing Chase Stein, who is a lacrosse-playing high school heartthrob. While many write him off as a dumb jock, Chase exhibits flashes of untapped brilliance in engineering, not unlike his wildly successful father. And let's see here. Rounding out the cast is Allegra Acosta, who was in A Hundred Things to Do Before High School and Just Add Magic. (laughs) 
She will be playing Molly Hernandez, the youngest and most innocent member of her friend group, who is known for her peppy positivity and a deep yearning to belong. Why is it that the youngest member of a group is also its peppiest? Because they haven't been jaded yet. Yeah, Okay. Okay. Uh, Jeff Lib. one of these days, we are actually going to figure out how to pronounce his name. Loeb, Lieb, Leb. That's when he Um, comes on the show. Yeah, there you go. Uh, he He is the executive producer and head of Marvel Television. He says, quote, he said, quote, the fun and chemistry that this group of talented actors create is wonderful, and we're so excited to bring those beloved characters to life. Now, uh, we also got a quote in here from uh, Brian K. Vaughn. He is the co-creator of the Runaways comic, and he is the series executive consultant. And I think it's a good thing that they brought him on as well. Uh, he said, quote, I'm so excited for fans of the comic to watch this perfect cast of amazing actors, all of whom embody the spirit of their characters more than I ever could have imagined. I think that's a pretty strong vote of confidence there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it is. When the, when the, when the co-creator says, more than I ever could have imagined, he's either getting paid really well to say that, or he really believes it. Or both. So, yeah, there you go. And we do have one final quote on there. Uh, the executive producers and showrunners uh, are a couple of people, uh, Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage. <laughs> they say, quote, we have had a total blast bringing Brian and Adrian's amazing story to life. We're so happy they love the Runaways we've assembled as much as we do. Now, that's uh, that's really it. That's the only casting that we've got. Uh, they said the additional cast will be announced at a later date. Okay. So there you go. And just just as a parting shot, the uh, the comic book it has won an Eisner Award, is won a Harvey Award, and was featured as one of the Young Adult Library Service Association's best books for young adults. Yeah. So I keep saying that I have a bad feeling about Cloak and Dagger. I don't really have that bad feeling about this. You know, with the casting for Cloak and Dagger, I, I had major bad feelings last week when I thought it was going to be Debbie Ryan and Noah Gray. Of course, we know Noah as my from Heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't feel quite as bad, um, but I'm still afraid it's going to be a the typical love triangle-esque teen drama that's known on Freeform. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's hard for me to shake that whole feeling when at the at the mention of the word Freeform, but who knows? I mean, I, I don't have quite as bad a feeling about Cloak and Dagger now as I did last week. Or when you hold me, in your arms so Sorry, I thought you were hooked on a feeling. I was so not hooked on a feeling. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Never mind that. As Thank I derailed you. us again. <laughs> As you derailed us again, let's just stop off at Star-Lord's Barbecue or something. Where the Hulk and the Hulk are helping out? Yeah. Hulk and Hulk Barbecue Brothers. So, well, that's the runaways. Um, how about one more story before we hit the picks of the week and the Marvel Unlimited pick of the week? Or pick the book club pick, actually. Oh, it's book club pick? Okay. Yeah. So, Kylan, that means you're up. Okay, I mean, oh, with a, a story about uh, a new development in the Star Wars universe? Yeah, and it's happening uh, in Marvel Comics, believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Force Awakens, you know, that, 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 that brought us 30 years forward in, you know, so, you know, so we, we have a new story or a continuing story, but a new story. Uh, and so Darth Maul, whom we were introduced to in episode one, uh, and who 
met an unfortunate, well, not exactly an end, because we get to see him again, and um, well, he, it, he it, returns it, in, the, in Rebels? Yeah. 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 It, it, but, he's, discover, but he's only half the man he used to, so. Well, we, we discover in, in episode one, he has a split personality. Yes, to say the least. Um, but, uh, so, so we, uh, so what we get uh, in, I believe, in the uh, miniseries of Darth Maul, that's uh, Marvel, that Marvel came out with this past week, I believe it was this past week, it was in my pull list, I have it. Um, but, uh, so, the large tentacle man, man-eating ball-like monsters that uh, made their debut in uh, The Force Awakens, uh, which the creature that you see on um, the vessel that Han and Chewie are, are on, okay? Um, right. So, it looks like, uh, it looks like these creatures uh, show up in the new Darth Maul comic that's written by Cullen Bunn and Luke Ross. Um, so the Rathars. Yes, yes. So, so because uh, Maul uh, has a moment where he has to take out s- some aggression, uh, and so he he does it against Rathars, 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 Rathars. Rathars. Uh, yeah. So, 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 yeah. So the, this these creatures apparently ha- have been around for a long time, and so this was uh, it was interesting to see that connection, um, even in a small way, uh, in in a book that was that predates episode eight by a lot a lot a lot i, I, I can't even I say at least 80 years is it about 50 years at that point uh well let's see all right 30 years between the original trilogy and episode seven right okay and it's like 18 or 19 years between the end of the prequels and the start of the original trilogy. So you're looking at 48, 49, you might as well say 50 years. 50 years. So you're in that neighborhood. Right. And Rebels, I think, takes place 14 years after the end of the the prequels. So you're talking 36? Yeah. 36 years after Rebels. Okay. Anybody that's over their teenage years years in Rebels or the Clone Wars or whatever, they're going to be ready for a walker and I'm not talking the Imperial walker. I'm talking about the kind where you just you, know, you need it to stay vertical as you wander through the house looking for the kitchen going, where's Jello? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, this, um, so, I mean, these creatures apparently have been around. This wasn't just, uh, like, like this is, and this is an article that's uh, from uh, comicbook.com it's like I said, it's a it's a fun nod and a fun nod and connection between the prequels and sequel eras, and a good use of what could have easily been a one and done creature to instead help tell a larger, more cohesive story. I mean, and, and you know that that creature was not easy to get rid of. I don't even think they even got rid of the creature; they just uh, left it on the ship, right? I think so. I think so. Yeah. So you know. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a nice Easter egg. Yes, that's yeah. the way I see. It's an Easter egg. It's kind of like just a callback to it. So yeah, yeah, it's it's a nice touch. It is, and um, it, that, that's one of those things that, like, as as a Star Wars fan, uh, and it's something that they encourage as Star Wars fans that you you kind of you, you look at the universe as a whole and something as minor as a creature that you barely see, you know, only in glimpses. 
glimpses for the most part, you know, that, that it, it's, it's still part of a larger universe. And right. I don't know, I, I, I really like that part of it. Um, well, I, think it about a, it. Okay, think about this. When you went to see Rogue One mm-hmm. and you saw the, the, the shot of the blue milk sitting on the counter. Yeah. How many people cheered or clapped or responded to that? I, I, I was one. I was it one. It doesn't have to be a huge Easter egg. No. Mm-mm. To get appreciated by Star Wars fans. And so anytime you can slip something in there, it's good. And I, 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 I have to admit, I was uh, I was a little salty because I'm a huge fan of Wedge Antilles. Now I'm like, well, why the heck wasn't Wedge there, right? Why, why wasn't Wedge there? And it is because of one line in A New Hope that, that the story masters said Wedge could not be in because Wedge says, will you look at the size of that thing? Wedge had never seen the Death Star. Right. So they, they, they said that Wedge and Wedge could have Wedge was probably at on Yavin 4 because mm-hmm. it because uh, A New Hope takes place immediately after. Yeah. Well, in, in Rebels, he's been bouncing between Lethal or uh, is that where they're at? Is that where? I know that that was one no, of the no, places no. in the first season. Right. I'm trying to remember where uh, Rebel Base Chopper is or Chopper Base is located. Um, I don't remember whatever planet that is wedge and the other pilot that was rescued in the tie fighter academy episodes have been bouncing between there and Dordama's location at yavin 4 so even though Dor- Dordama's at scarif See, I, I, I don't know. Am, am I the only one that cares about Wedge? Because I just think Wedge is awesome. No. I, I, no, you're not Wedge the only is one great. because he's yeah, <laughs> he's pretty much the star of a series of books in, yes. the, in the now Legends continuity. I know. Oh, <laughs> But at the same time, think about this. Think about this. That one line which, which kept Wedge from being in Rogue One, mm-hmm. that is the kind of, I, you know, it's kind of like a detail you pick up on. That is why Lucasfilm did away with the old extended universe, expanded universe, I'm sorry. Right, right. And and decided the movies are going to take a different storyline. Right. Yeah. But, but, and you guys heard it straight from Jason Aaron's own mouth. It's like, you can take anything out of that. You can pull anything out of the EU, but it's got to be approved by the story group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That right there is the purpose of the story group. Exactly. Because right. if you did not have have the story group. You did not have the the council that will the canon council, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. overseeing this, going over the story to make sure there is consistency. Right. You would have that, and then you'd have some fanboy screaming out from the corner, going, "He wasn't supposed to be here." Right. People aren't saying Wedge was supposed to be there. I just this is just a, this is a perfect example of why that was a good idea. Right. Right. And why well, having the story group was a good idea. And have them review pretty much everything that goes through to filter out the expanse of the expanded universe into crafting the new continuity. Right. Well, you know, and to kind of bring that over to the MCU, that level of attention, and this just kind of, I don't know if they did this on purpose, but 
to take the line that's Tony Stark, the, the famous line where he says you've 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 contacted the El, the life model decoy of Tony Stark, blah blah blah. So he says that way back in what, uh, Iron Man two. No, he says that in the first Avengers in, movie. In the, in the first Avengers movie, okay. So he says that right? right now. So you have that, but then uh, now, and I didn't realize this, but apparently there were some people who were taking issue with the whole LMD storyline because they they felt like okay, so. Tony Stark is talking about LMDs uh, in Avengers, but we're talking about uh, the creation of LMDs here. So what's the story? But then we get we get that the uh, that the Koenigs, or at least the Koenig brothers, were texts with the original program, which was headed up by Shield, which then explains the storyline of why Tony Stark would have that knowledge. Because apparently there were people that were really upset by that, and you know I just kind of assume that I assume that Shield would have had that technology and that what this guy was doing wasn't that he was creating something. Maybe it was just a mothball program that Shield had come up with. Right. And this guy picked it up. Okay. But, you remember the commercials for BASF? They said yes. we don't make the technology you use, we make the technology better. Yes. That is what I saw Radcliffe doing. Exactly. It's like, okay, so you had the LMD project. It wasn't quite the success they had hoped for, so they they mothballed. Right. So Stark would know about it as the consultant. Right. And that line, it may have just been just to tweak Shield's nose a little bit more. Right. You know, to say, hey, this is a mothballed project. I'm going to quote the mothballed project to get out of having to talk to you. Right. Because that that's what Tony Stark would do. Tony Stark <laughs> would so totally do that. So the way I look at it, Kylan, is, and I see this in the Star Wars fan community, and I see this in the Disney fan community, when you have have fans that are passionate about their franchise. Yes. They will obsess over this. Mm-hmm. Sometimes to, shall we say, unhealthy levels. Yes. And so you're going to get people who put their fandom under a microscope. Yeah. And they will they will search for the most minuscule of inconsistencies or perceived inconsistencies and then take to social media and rant about it. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like, well, Tony Stark's fingernails were 1.8 centimeters too long in one shot, and then it immediately went back. What, did he get a manicure? That sort of thing. Right. And I don't want to, like, I don't want to be too critical because here we are. What are we doing? We're sitting around. We're doing a fan podcast. Right. Yeah. So we're part of this. We feed into this. We are part of the problem if you want to consider it a problem. But it's just like, in the end, these are all made up stories about people who are not real. Right. Right. We they can enrich enjoy our lives. Story. They enrich our lives. The actors are real people. Right. We know that. Their characters, their their works of fiction. Mm-hmm. Let's enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Let's enjoy our fanhood together. Yes. But if you start splitting hairs down to the microscopic level where you cannot derive any enjoyment out of it. It stops being fun. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of fun, speaking of stories, uh, let's hit the uh, Marvel Unlimited book of the month. I think that's you, Eric. Oh, that's me. Okay. Ah, who'd have thought? Okay, so anyway, now what I like to do with a uh, with a Marvel Unlimited pick when it comes to me, I like to pick a number one or the first appearance of a certain character. And so I, re- I was thinking back, I don't know where I got the inspiration for this, uh, looking for it this week. 
But, Callan, do you remember the old 2099 comic line? Yes. I love the old 2099. A very dystopian future where they had some interesting twists on some of the characters that we know and and like. It's like the 2099 uh, continuity had their own X-Men. You had its own Punisher. I I, I liked the Punisher. I I collected the Punisher one. I had Spider-Man. You had Ravage. Ravage was not based. It really wasn't based off of an existing Marvel character. No. But the one that I collected the most was Doom. See, and I did not I did not watch Doom or read Doom rather, but really Doom to me was like it, it was probably it, it was my favorite out of the bunch. Okay. I liked Punisher. I tried getting into X-Men, didn't really particularly care for that. Right. Um uh, never really had an interest in the Miguel O'Hara Spider-Man. Right. But I loved Doom. And I think part of it was there was it, it was that mystery. Was it the real Doom? Was it not? He thought he was the real Doom. He thought right. he was the real Victor Von Doom. Right. So he was not. He was different from, like, say, the Punisher and Spider-Man, who were inspired by the originals. Right. As a matter of fact, the the twenty nine nine Punisher had the original Punisher War Journal. Right. And oh, he, yeah. It was almost like you know a, a sacred artifact to him. So yeah. And so the the last line in it to, it's like to whoever finds this, I charge you to carry on my work. That sort of thing. And he did. But Doom, he had that that cool man out of time feel. Yes. So he was, he was, we'll just say he was the original. He yeah. was Dr. Doom. Found himself in a future time. And so there's that. He's adapting to the new times. And he's also, he's not the, uh, he's not the, I'm going to take over the world kind of thing. He's not trying to clash with superheroes and things like that. No. He's not acting like a stereotypical bad guy. No. This, this time around, he says he is the architect of the future or the, the, the Latveria of the future. He is the architect of Latveria's future. Okay. So it, it kind of ties into his role as Latverian monarch from our time. Right. But it's almost like he's rebuilding the kingdom. He's rebuilding civil, the civilization he knows. Right. And so I just found that fascinating. I mean, hmm. he's still... Still... He's still doomed, not Darth Vader. Okay. Oh, <laughs> the, the audio just disappeared for a second. I'm yeah, like, yeah. So, anyway, no, it, he's just the he's the type. So anyway, I have talked all this way to get to my Marvel Unlimited pick. So I wanted to I wanted to grab the first issue of Doom twenty ninety nine. Right, it's not there. But what is there is Doom twenty ninety nine number fourteen. That awesome. <laughs> there you go. It also has the X Men, Punisher, Spider. Spider-Man and Ravage from 2099 all teaming up to take down the false Aesir. Okay. Uh, the false Aesir are, uh, they are super villains that are posing as the Asgardians. So okay. you've got, you've got a Heimdall, you've got a Loki, you've got a Sith, uh, you've got a Thor. This Thor, and here's one of the things that I liked about it. The church of Thor is alive and well in 2099. Right. The, the Punisher is a a member of the Church of Thor, and you know this version of Thor is a priest of Thor that has that has a hammer. I mean, he's he's kind of like well, he is a priest, and the question is, you know, is he trying to like live up to the actual Thor, or is he just trying to play supervillain based off of it and say, hey, I've got all this neat Church of Thor stuff, I've got my costume made already. <laughs> right. right. As it 
as it turns out, they're being like manipulated by the um, by the company Alchemax. So yeah, this is the one I recommend. I'm not going to go into it too too deeply because we're going to have to talk book club later. But that is my pick: Doom 2099, number fourteen. All right. Well, let's head right into our picks of the week. And of course, that's the Shazbaz with the comic book shop. Um, as we quickly run through these, let's... Kylan, why don't you go first? Uh, Power Man and Iron Fist number 13 for my number one pick. Uh, writer is David F. Walker. The penciler is Elmo Bondock. And the cover artist is Sanford Green. Trouble in Paradise. Jessica Jones left and took Danielle with her. Luke is not taking it well. Danny wants to be there for his friend, but he's got issues of his own. Double, double, toil and trouble are brewing. Okay. Eric, why don't you go next? Okay. Uh, my first pick of the week is The Unworthy Thor, number four, written by Jason Aaron, penciled by Olivier Coppel. The Odinson's quest is impeded when Proxima Midnight and the Black Swan seek to battle with him. But are the two acting alone, or is there someone else pulling their strings? Don't miss the debut of the Odinson's all-new look. Okay. Well, my first pick of the week is... Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number 17. It's a normal quiet day at Empire State University filled with lots of lectures and higher education. Oh boy, I can already hear y'all buckling up for a jam-packed thrill ride of students learning quietly. Well, bad news on that front, friends. Once all that quiet learning is out of the way, there's going to be a fist fight. Plus, besides the cool fist fight, Doreen also gets a new flying squirrel suit, making her easily 2,150% more unbeatable with a <laughs> <laughs> new with, with a new more powerful score girl and a rad new suit i'm certain crime is over forever there's definitely not a new supervillain in town conspiring to mold supergirl into the perfect minion or is there who can say heck i guess the only way to know is to buy the comic and find out <laughs> So, Kylan, awesome. your number two pick. My number two pick is Black Widow number 11. Uh, the writers are Mark Wade and Chris Samney, who's doing triple duty as penciler and cover artist as well on this book. I'll tell you what, hats off. Um, infestation. While Widow's been collecting information, her enemy has been collecting allies. Natasha faces a full-scale invasion. What's the target? And can Widow shield it on her own? I don't know. But I still think it's interesting that Black Widow has uh, you know, fan fiction with Quake, and they're called Qu- uh, never mind, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Eric, Awkward. your number two. My number two pick is a number five. It is Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme, number five, written by Robbie Thompson, penciled by Nathan Stockman, with cover artist Javier Rodriguez. After their devastating first mission, the surviving Sorcerer Supreme must regroup. Plus, what happened when Doctor Strange first met Isaac Newton? Guest starring the pre-infamous Iron Man, Doctor Doom. Okay, my second pick is. Deadpool the Duck, Rocket Raccoon, Roxxon, 
Where are Ray, where are Wade Wilson and Howard the Duck? On a mission to get their bodies back, of course. Deadpool the Duck is in over his head, tail feathers, in this out-of-the-world adventure. <laughs> so on to the number threes. Uh, number three is Jessica Jones, number five, which has a parental advisory. Now, why does Jessica have a parental advisory and Pirate Man and Iron Fist can't? And Jessica curse, but Luke can't anyway, I digress. Uh, was because she told him not to curse. I, I know, but it's I I know that's one of those things that you just learn to accept. You say yes, dear, and you move on. But mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just saying. So the writer is Brian Michael Bendis, the penciler is Michael Gatos, and the cover artist is David Mack. So Jessica made some tough choices to save her husband and child from the clutches of the latest hate the latest hateful madness that has hit the Marvel universe. But was it enough? Another all new chapter from Jessica's original creators. The new adventures of Jessica Jones that you only find right here. Okay, so that brings us to Eric. Okay, my last pick of the week is Doctor Strange and Punisher Magic Bullets Infinite Comic number 7. With Doctor Strange working on being more grounded and the Punisher trying to adjust to magic, this mismatched pair has their work cut out for them with a mobster family transformed into demons. Oh, crap. Mobster demons or demon mobsters. Wow. Yeah. Now I'm just, I got this mental image of like Mario, the the Godfather, Vito Corleone, <laughs> mixed with Hellboy. Oh, that's no good. I'm gonna make him an offer he cannot refuse, and if he does if he does refuse it, I'm gonna burn him in the lake of hellfire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that that's no good no it's no good well that's okay up to no good is my my final pick of the week star wars dr afra number four afra's father has led her straight into danger of course her business on yavin 4 concluded Afra journeys off in search of one of the most powerful weapons imaginable so that's going to wrap up our picks of the week i think that's going to wrap up the show for this week um, i think so yeah. i still need i still need to get caught up on last month's book club so we're going to put off book club discussion until next week okay um uh, if you just understood the crazy schedule how, how about change you know folks know i work at disney uh in entertainment we changed over a show at a stage that is not the main event stage in two and a half hours and this is a stage where that is not a common turnover mm. it, it's been one of those crazy months so uh any final thoughts before we take off for this week mm. and head off on whatever fury or colson or don't listen to the new guy so (laughs) (laughs) oh come on a team that trusts is a team that triumphs Yeah, but there's, there's something a little inhuman about him. Well, yeah, just a little bit. Hey, I, I, th- I think I can talk him into uh, buying us uh, bu- buying us an RV, so, you know. If I, you I, can I, work I, on it. I, I think I can. So, you know? Any, any final thoughts? Uh, no, I'm, I'm pretty much thought it out. All right. Jarvis, if you would, please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope, just time to go dark. So I think Mighty Marvel Geek Feud is a winner. I think so. Yeah. I, I'm going to have to work up on my game, though. Yeah, I, I, I think the truth is I got lucky the first couple of times. I'll tell you that, what. That last one was kind of hard. It was. I will, I will give you one to think about for next week. Okay. Which of the, which of the Avengers would be 
the best soccer player. You think about it, and we'll come back to that next week. All right. Okay. So, yeah, soccer, the Avengers. That that that's uh. As a team having the ball. <laughs> I would not want to be goalie in that one. 